Hello, I'm Gemma Kearney and this is Sorry Not Sorry brought to you by Galaxy Chocolate, a podcast helping you take time to actively choose pleasure. Finding quality time for ourselves is very important for our overall well-being. So we wanted to do something about it. Together, we're empowering the next generation of women to choose more pleasure than the last. According to research commissioned by Galaxy Chocolate, a quarter of Brits have admitted that they're simply too busy to enjoy themselves as much as they'd like. And the 18 to 34-year-olds rank themselves the lowest with regards to happiness at just 5.9 out of 10. Not good enough. In this second series, we speak to even more interesting and inspiring guests to get their take on how they find the time and what they choose to do with that time. This week, I'm joined by Joe Elvin, the multi-award winning magazine editor du jour. Hello. Hi. <laughs> wow, that was a good intro. I've not heard that one before. <laughs> I'm glad. I like the rhythm as well. I was going to say, yeah. no one could see the shimmy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It but happened. I, we, they felt it. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, okay. First off, Galaxy had provided us with all this chocolate. Do you want some? Um, is the Pope a Catholic? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a hard yes. A hard yes. Go yeah. for it. Go on, what are you going to choose? What are you going to have? Well, I've already had a ripple whilst I, I was reckon... waiting for you, but I might have another. I don't think I've seen... Oh, vegan though. All right. <laughs> Caramel and sea salt. That's quite fancy. Yeah. I feel like Why that's is it a vegan? fashionable choice. Let's have a taste. Because everyone's vegan now. Well, I'm not. The vegan is delicious. Am I depriving a vegan by eating this No, it's chocolate? all good. Yeah. Go for it. I think it's like probably the swishest choice of them all. It's got a good bouquet. Mm. Give it a smell. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm. Is it working for Can you? You hear it crunching. That's not bad, actually. Yeah? Mm. Do you know what it actually tastes slightly healthier? Which makes you for feel being good. vegan. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm here for that. You've just done a whole load of Fashion Week. London Fashion Week has happened. Yeah. How are you feeling and what did you see that we can be excited about? Well, the thing about London is I'm not, it's really hard to pull out individual ones. I don't want to play favourites. That gets me into trouble. Okay. But London is still, it's, it's still that real incubator for a bit more new, a bit more exciting, a bit more avant-garde. I think that London Fashion Week tends to be really brilliant at giving newer designers a chance. And I think that there's, a, there's always a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And this time for London Fashion Week, it absolutely peed with rain the whole time. But the shows were still packed and people were still loving it. So yeah. I haven't done Fashion Week for so many years. Why not? I find it too stressful. Uh, it's too stressful. I mean, it's fun. It's like making a wow. noise when I crunch my chocolate. I mean, this is the sorry. way it goes on Sorry Not Sorry. It's absolutely mm. fine. We've had so many kind of munchy chats. But yeah, I, I've always found Fashion Week, well, I did back in the day. So it went from being super fun to actually just like, wow, it's such a heady experience. And their like, tensions are high, you know, that whole drama of it. Well, there's always a lot of politics. There's always a lot of, oh, how come so-and-so's got a better seat than me? And I think there used to be a time in, at Fashion Weeks where... The people, the industry, the buyers, the designers, the journalists, um, the students went into the show, went and watched the show, enjoyed it. Very nice. Clap, go out. Now there's a whole other absolute circus that goes on before, during and after. Thanks to this social media culture that we Mm -hmm. have. It's sort of like bred all these new people who are influencers and style bloggers. And so sometimes just getting to your seat through the crowds outside the show can feel like you've done an eight-hour day. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really quite stressful. Yeah, And your job, your life, is, I would say, on paper, 
potentially quite stressful. It's, um, it's very there's a lot of responsibility. Yes, there is. There's a lot to do. Uh, there's always deadlines. I used to God, I laugh when I think about as a kid finishing my exams and going, "That's it for me. No more homework." Ha ha! So long, suckers. And then <laughs> my whole life is homework. That's due this day. You've got to get that done by then. At the moment, I've got 1,800 words due tomorrow for something which I haven't started. But I'm afraid, I'm, I don't know if you're the same as me, unless it absolutely is gun to my head time. Yeah. I find it very, very difficult to get going. So I have to wait until I'm panicking. So is this Joe Alvin, editor of You Magazine, previous editor of Glamour, admitting that you are a procrastinator? Yeah, massive. Wow. Well, and, and it's not, not just... it's. Yes, I suppose I am a procrastinator, but I everything gets done. But there's so much to do. Yeah, I, ha- I remember. Sorry to drop a big name. I, I, go on, I actually go for it. had this conversation with James Corden once when, when I was at Glamour, and he was for several years hosted the Glamour Women of the Year Awards, and I'd been hounding him and hounding him for his. I'd, we'd written a script and for script changes and script changes, and I was like, and when I finally I saw him the day of the thing for rehearsal, I was like, my God, have you looked at that script? And he's like, Look, I'm really sorry, and it's just until I absolutely absolutely have to get something done it just has to go in a list behind all the other things that absolutely have to get done that yeah. day and I thought I get it because I'm exactly the same I do understand that it's like when somebody wants to do a conference call about a job that's going to be in three months time mm. and they wonder why I'm slightly less into oh, it yeah. no, they, than they, they might be they're not wondering they're not wondering <laughs> at all but they also know that you and me are the type of people who two days before the thing will go, why didn't you talk to me about this before? And they'll all be slagging you off behind your back because they tried to. I guess that's another thing about our industries, whether you see them as media or, or show business or entertainment, it's kind of a mixture of lots of things, particularly these days. Yeah, There is an added pressure that you, we are connected to a lot of people yes. who expect something from us. We're projecting something maybe in terms of our work but in terms of what we do at home it might be quite different or how we're feeling at home do you have that extra pressure because I certainly have that layer in my life yeah and I think that you're probably like me in that um, you know a lot of people to varying degrees of closeness and even the people who are sort of on my peripheral circle who I like very much Mm. I've had emails today from a little gang who I hardly ever see and I don't know that well but I really like them Mm. and it's like let's get a date in and inevitably it's already started so and so can't do this day and it's and I really do want to see these people Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking as this conversation goes on thinking yeah this isn't gonna happen it's like just because there's just too many diaries and too many dates and then I think about the people who are very close to me like my husband and my daughter and some of my closest friends who I find tight it, it just struggle to get quality time yeah. in. So then you do start to think, do you know what I really need to not cull, it's such a mean word, but just prioritize. Mm. And that's difficult. And I think that we can be as bold as to do that with friends yep. or acquaintances. Yeah. It's difficult. But it's it, really but it's, difficult. It, it's the people closest to you who well, I find they get shortchanged because the people really close to me are the ones I've got no problem phoning and saying I've been looking forward to tonight, but I'm so knackered. Mm. I can't be bothered. And they're the ones who understand and they'll do it to me. So they end up, but, we, but you wouldn't dare do that to someone you don't know as well. It's true. It's yeah. true. We mm. want to keep our reputations of being the most fun, amazing people ever. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. I think that you've got to be careful with that just to be deep for a minute. I think 
if you you know if you're like me if you're the sort of person who actually really needs retreat time yeah then take it i think that that's one of the lessons i have learned as i've gotten older is it's okay to be a little bit more honest about do you know what i'm just i'm not that person today i'm not i'm and i you know i think that you and i both know that just projecting nothing but that doesn't leave much room yeah. for an authentic conversation that might really help you. Well, you could end up depleted. Yeah. You can end, even if you think you have the most energy in the world, it's really important to learn that nobody does. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. I always look at you, Gem, and I just think you always exude such energy and positivity. But it's people like you that I, I worry about the most because I feel like you probably feel... Like you can't say, do you know what I'm feeling crap today? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I, everyone knows that I can be a grumpy cow, <laughs> but nobody expects that of you. Do you know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting as I have become an adult and a woman and really testing my own boundaries. And retreat time is a really good way of putting it because I am an extrovert, but there has to be time for a reflection as well. Are you an int- I'm an introverted extrovert. Yes. I love people. I love going out, but there's there's a limit. There's always a point where it's like my tank is empty mm. and I really physically need to refuel. Mm-hmm. So I, I love parties, but there's always there does always seem to be a point where I'm like, oh God, I've had enough and I've just got to get out of here now. And I, I'm, I'm, so I'm kind of a weird mix of both. So you came from Oz in 1992. I know. Were you even born? Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Some people I meet weren't born. It's like, it's just really upsetting. Yeah. I was seven. Mm. And, um, what was it like for you? It was, um, let me try and remember. <laughs> Did you turn up in London? Yeah. yeah. And in those days, in those days, <laughs> I used to go to the payphone box with pockets full of 10p coins to phone my parents. Amazing. I know. Um, and what else was, oh, I lived in a horrible flat in West London with three other Aussies. Um, every single surface was green, ceiling, <laughs> carpet, so weird. <laughs> bathroom, everything a different shade of green. <laughs> I struggled to find a job at first. I was working in pubs and restaurants and things like that while I wanted, while I found a magazine job. And when I got the magazine job, I was working sometimes 15 hour days, sometimes 33 zero hour days. Sort of like, you know, oh people goodness. would come into work and go, weren't you wearing that yesterday? Oh, like, wow. Yeah, I was, yeah. Because it was very short-staffed and we were very disorganised. So, But it was it was great. It was a real baptism of fire. I learned so much about British media and just loads of different magazine roles that put me in good stead for the other things that came. Incredible. Mm. And you did work your way up and yeah. up and up and up and up. Mm. Was that always the ambition? I think the ambition from a very young age was to work in magazines. I didn't think one day I will be the editor of, you know, nothing like that. But I think that I did have a fantasy about working and living in London from a very young age. And I think that it's not a budgie woogie voodoo (laughs) thing. It's a visualization is real, though. It's like I used to think, okay, well, if I wanted to do that, what would I have to do? Okay, well, I'd, I'd probably try and get a job somewhere like this. And then I'd and I'd probably need to save money and I'd probably need and, you know, gravitate to people at work who were from London who gave you advice and and so little by little if you if you're focused on a goal then you're attuned to what you might be able to do to make it happen 
though there must be a level of confidence as well in your ability or do, or is it more just sort of going for it without focusing too much on, on whether you can or not? definitely much the... I knew I could write. Mm. I knew that. Um, I knew I loved magazines and the minute I started interning at magazines and I was so, so, so keen and eager and, you know, would have wiped bottoms if that's what it needed uh, you know I mean really I was so excited to be just in that environment you know I got a lot of praise and I got a lot of encouragement because I was such a keen student of mm. it all and once I was kind of mixing in those circles and I it was things like you know I'd say to one of the designers on this magazine Dolly I would oh wow well you know all your clothes are amazing where'd you get that jacket She's like, oh you know I'm at London I'd be like oh my god well, London you know like once you're immersed with people like that you start to have those dreams for yourself mm-hmm. And I think I just got on a plane full of ambition and and willingness to work. Also full of absolute incredible stupidity about how hard it would be. But in a way, it was probably quite good to be a bit young and stupid and Mm. just try and go for it. Mm. I have a big respect for it and I can identify with it as well. Well, I bet bet you were the same. I I was. And and just so grateful in a way uh, that I was given the opportunities and had good mentors around me naturally without even realising what a mentor was. I sort of soaked it all up. And are you the same as me? I mean, one thing my father did for me, which I thought was very good, he he used to be really strong on tutoring me about rejection and not to take it personally and to just keep trying. And the people who do well in life are the people who get rejected and keep trying. And that was a big message from particularly him as I was growing up. And I was, I did get loads of job rejections and things like that. And I just kind of, you just got to keep trying. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if you ever went through that as well, but I think I was, I was, I'm not tough in some ways, but I really was quite resilient in thinking, okay, well, you didn't get that. What else? What next? I'm still like that. (laughs) Yeah, I I am. I am. Yeah. But the resilience is an important thing to try and build. Yeah. And and just a rationale around that as well. Exactly. Not to take it too seriously. So social media, it's a big part of what we both do. Do you have detoxes from it to give yourself some relaxing time? Not really. I should. I like it. I don't have the kind of level of profile that attracts a lot of hideousness with it. And I enjoy it. I enjoy um, growing an audience that way. I enjoy communicating with audiences. Is why I do what I do. Mm. But I suppose I don't really have to think about it in the same way like a proper famous person does. But you, we, we all make choices, don't we, about what we put out there. So there's tons and tons of things about myself that I wouldn't put on social media. And a lot of it tends to fall under, you know, a bit of fashion, a bit of humour, a bit of promoting what I'm doing work-wise. Like one, my friend Donna, and she loves it, my friend Donna, she basically doesn't move without doing an Instagram story. And I, I, I was just like, she, we were just sort of like doing things and she would upload it as a story. And I think, God, it didn't even occur to me to put that on Instagram. You know, yeah. but it's like, so I think that I'm not quite as down the rabbit hole as a lot of other people are, but I do enjoy it. I do think at the moment we're at a crux point where people really are quite, I'm going to go as far as saying maybe addicted without necessarily realising. And that is potentially detrimental to our mental health. But I'm not sure if it's social media, but it's just, it's the phone. It's because I'm not on Instagram or Twitter constantly, but I am a bit twitchy if I've had 10 minutes without holding my phone and looking at something, emails, something to read, 
a text to somebody. I yeah, I'm I'm addicted to the device, mm. but I don't think I'm particularly addicted to any one part of what's on that device. Mm. I, I I'm still intrigued as to where that's going to go in terms of public conversation, as to whether there will be a real big backlash and people are putting down their phones. I think there's a lot of people at the moment. Um, really just not having it with Twitter anymore. I think that that's the place that's gotten really shouty and screamy and hysterical and the place where a couple of weeks ago, for the first time ever, I really lost my temper online. Right. And, you, you know, there's that whole ignore the trolls, ignore the trolls. And there was one night a couple of weeks ago and actually people said some of the vilest things to me ever when I was pouring my heart about, about mm. something and I just, I, I lost my temper. Right. I don't regret it, actually. But then I've seen a lot of other of my friends of mine say, do you know what, I'm not here for this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think that Instagram is still on the whole friendlier, but I don't know. It's it, it, it just has the potential. It just invites so many other people into your world yeah. who you don't know, mm-hmm. who feel entitled to an opinion, mm-hmm. and that's 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 tough. You mentioned exercise being part of your religion, mm-hmm. which I like. <laughs> Dancing is part of mine. Um, if I could dance, it would be. But yeah, <laughs> I bet you can. In fact, I feel like I've tried to get you on dance floors before. Well, I did do your silent disco. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time, and I wasn't even drunk that night. <laughs> yeah, was it always part of your religion, exercise, or was that something that's been no. introduced? In typical spoilt magazine editor fashion, got invited into a rather swanky gym about eighteen years ago, and. Um, I mean, I really was. I was the Aussie who was asked to leave because I couldn't throw a ball. You know, I was like last pick for teams. People would have fights over who didn't have to have me on their team because we had her last time, you know. So I had no physical confidence Mm. growing up. And I've always been um, very, very thin. So I I never was one of these people who was like, oh, my God, I've got to run around the block because I've got to lose some weight. Mm. So I, it just felt like it, I wasn't very good at it and it wasn't for me. And then I got invited in this top, top trainer said to me, so what are your goals? And I said, I don't know, I just want to see what happens. <laughs> and good one. Yeah, I mean, I just had no. It's a nice ex- answer sometimes because we don't always know our goals. Yeah, exactly. It was like when I was having a baby, they're like, what, what's your birth plan? I was like, to get through it? I haven't done this before. I don't know. You know, they were like, yeah, that's the best answer. But, so I was open to it and I quickly I think he said to me if you stick with it for about three months you'll find that you get addicted to it and I just would never have thought and I still hate doing it Gemma I still you know and like half an hour into the hour, I think oh god why did I come this is awful but I'm addicted to that smug feeling afterwards and I'm addicted to the energy it gives me and the sleep it gives me mm. so yeah and a good way to sort of exert and scream or swear yep. if you need to yeah yeah I, when I was writing my book, which is a young adult kind of guide to life, which is brilliant. Thank you. There was a point I realised the importance of screaming, uh, and I don't mean that in a sort of horror film way, but just actually letting off some steam. Absolutely. And there are a number of different ways that we can do it, but exercise is is a really really good way. It's just. Argh! And the one thing I find with exercise is the times when I'm feeling I'm so tired, I just don't know if I can do this. That's exactly. Mm the biggest moment that you should because it really re-energizes and even if, if it is going to exhaust you more then you really will sleep the mm. best sleep of your life it's I, it's amazing what it does for you and like you say your physical self in terms of your physical confidence it's so yep. so beyond the commodified version of of what that is supposed to be as a woman if you do go regularly and and I'm lucky enough I do it with a trainer and they say so you couldn't do that six weeks ago and you go mm. oh yeah I yeah, and so just feeling that progression is really great for your self-esteem. 
Do you do anything a little bit more woo-woo? Do you meditate? You mentioned the words visualisation earlier. It's like I say, I come across things that work for me, but I'm not, not sure if I'd necessarily label it, yes, I meditate. Yeah. Particularly at the moment, you know, there's all sorts of anxiety in the air. And I, I've got this sort of like meditative tool that somebody taught me years ago. It was like, well, just right here, right now, everything's fine. Mm. And if you can have those moments where you just think, right, okay, my feet are on the floor, I feel like this, and, and really just have... 10 minutes where you just sit and think, how do I feel right now? What is wrong right now? Nothing. Okay. And it's, it's, that is my version of mindfulness. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's, again, very empowering for you to, to sum it up like that because we don't have to find the exact words for exactly what we're doing to make ourselves feel good or yeah. better. Going back to your, you know, when you introduced the show and talking about survey results about people feeling happy or, or unhappy, I think a lot of that sometimes comes from the fact that people feel like, am I happy? And if they, if not everything's perfect, then they're not happy. And I think that you can be, you know, I, I know people who have cancer who found something to laugh their heads off about that day. And I'm not belittling cancer at all. I'm just saying that in a crap day, you can still have something really great happen mm. and vice versa. And just, you know, if you're if you're going through a divorce, you don't have to feel guilty if you had a great time doing this. You know, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's I think that there's you have to look back on a day and think. And I do this a lot, especially if I've had a really stressful day. And I think, yeah, but then when my deputy editor said that thing that made me laugh for 10 minutes, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. I got yelled at by the boss later on. But, you know, I still had some nice bits of today. <laughs> so I think that you can find good moments in even a, a bad day. And and I think working out one's pleasure is also really handy in that. What is Go your, on. What is your... <laughs> <laughs> but I am interested in how we do find what makes us happy because it is different for different people. For some people, it is literally lying on the sofa doing nothing. Works for watching me. Watching the most escapist, trashy TV. Yep. Uh, for others, it might be much more sort of intellectualised or kooky or going to a pottery class. I, I, it's, but everybody's is individual. What yeah. is your favourite thing to do? It might sound so dull, but just hang out with friends with good food and drink. Mm. And that's, you know, I just spent a whole weekend with friends and my daughter came as well. She's 14, nearly 15. Oh God, we laughed. And I, I did things I hadn't done before. We went to the snow. I've never been skiing before. I still haven't skied, but, I, you know, I, I put on some <laughs> ski gear. <laughs> That was good. That is exciting. Yeah, it was actually. Drinking wine in ski gear. (laughs) So it felt different, you know. My daughter really enjoyed it. She's at the age now where she can like chat on her own with adults. And And so I don't know. And it was just, it's things like that, that just, it doesn't have to be a mega expensive holiday. This week, my daughter and her pal are going to the theatre. My husband and I are going to go and have dinner while they do it and pick them up. I'm really looking forward to it. That's lovely. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. I'm very, I'm an, an incredibly simple creature. It could be as simple as getting your, your toenails all nice, which I'm looking forward to later tonight because <laughs> they are a state. But, and the, the, something like that can send to me for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at my toes. Great. <laughs> yeah. What about clothes? Because clothes give me a lot of pleasure. Well, they do me as well. But a lot, of, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people think you're very shallow when you say that. But yeah, I, I do find that particularly if I'm if I know I've got a really difficult day, and I'm lying in bed, and I think, oh well, I can wear that suit and that'll cheer me up. You know what I mean? It's like it, it does. It, it does alter my mood, clothing. And you and I both like color. Yeah. So I feel you know I feel like I can put together quite a few different things from my clothes and feel like I've reinvented them or 
tried something new and I mean, you know. So yeah. fun. I think yeah. it's part of life's theatre if you want it to Agree. be. Agree. Yeah. And you have a sense of humour with it too, which I also choose to yes. have. And, and you, you've you coined the uh, hashtag, hashtag uh, clothes my husband hates. Yeah, right? yeah, he does hate a lot of my clothes. <laughs> but... Um, what did he say to me the other day? He said, I just don't like any of your clothes that look like men's clothes. It's not that hard. And I was like, I don't think any of my clothes look like men's clothes, but he does. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so would he prefer you be wearing some sort of like Little House on the Prairie type dress? Not or? Little House on the Prairie, but like a dress. I, I'm not a big dress girl and he likes dresses. Okay. How do you separate work and play, particularly when shopping? You've had a whole career in fashion. When you're shopping, do you do you, like do you think about oh is it, I could wear this to this event or I don't know do you, can you separate? Is well, it? if I if I find something I've fallen in love with and there's no practical reason to buy it, I do try to think. Oh, <laughs> but how can I need this? Right, let me think. Ah, yes, there's an excuse. My on-duty and off-duty wardrobes are pretty indistinguishable. So what I'm wearing now, I would wear on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, what I wore on the weekend, I'd wear to work. So I, no, I just I just have to enjoy what I'm wearing. That's fine. That's good. Like, again, it's just being very true to oneself, isn't it? Well, I suppose I'm lucky, you know, I, I don't, I've never worked in um, jobs where there's a strict rule about what you wear. Mm. I've never had a uniform for work. I've never had, oh, we, you know, heels only or no trousers for ladies. I've never had any of that. Mm. Some people do. So, yeah. And what does style mean to you? I think it just means finding something that, you are comfortable with I think it's you know fashion is such great fun but I think it frightens a lot of people who feel like they don't feel like they want to be fashionable they just want to dress themselves and that's fine there's no such thing as in or out of fashion anymore really Mm. it's like you do you and I I think it, it just sometimes can take a while it probably took me until in my 30s to find my confidence with dressing and so I think that as long as you have found what you like, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks of what you're wearing. When I was a kid and like teens and 20s, I would have died if I was on the bus and somebody stared at me in horror. Now I love it. I love it. I think, oh, I've picked an interesting one today, the way that old woman's looking at my shoes. I love that. Yeah. How has your style changed since 1992 being here in London for the first time? I've got a lot more body confidence. I think for many years, like, you know, years of being bullied about being super skinny at school and things like that, all this sort of stuff. I mean, I really was rake thin as a kid Mm. through just through no other thing than genetics. And, um, so I think I went through a very long phase up until my late 20s where if you just wear baggy clothes, you'll look bigger And because I thought that it was so unattractive otherwise. I can't then, imagine you in really baggy no, clothes. No, I mean, I probably still do sometimes, but I'll always be a bit weird about my legs. But I think that took a long time just to erase that message. I also think the shopping in London is much better than in Sydney. Accessible, good fashion is cheaper here. Um, there's a lot more of it. I think London's always just been that sort of like youthful experimental place where everybody of any age likes to have fun with what they're wearing. Just get to give yeah. it a good go in terms of experimentation. That's yeah. for sure. I think about women, particularly in the public eye, that have sort of grown up in the public eye. And you, we, I feel like we've experienced so many different phases of their yeah. their style, like their growth in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just growing, isn't it? And Definitely. And I don't know, I think I've probably got a bit crazier in the things that I like to wear, a bit sillier. Like, you know, sometimes my boss will burst out laughing when I come in. (laughs) 
in like head to toe purple suit or something because he's such a newspaper man. He's just not used to it. You yeah. Know? And um, I did wonder if I should maybe curtail that when I went to work at a newspaper. But he was like, no, I love it. It's, it's really magazine-y. Like, you know, so, and I don't mean to be, I'm not putting effort into being magazine It's just how I've evolved. How is life in terms of difference from being the editor of Glamour and now being at you? Well, it's interesting because I really thought, I, I stayed at Glamour probably longer than I should have because it became my whole identity, really. And I sort of felt like, well, if I'm not the editor of Glamour, quote unquote, then no one will return my calls again. It'll be like I've died. And um it took leaving to understand that that wasn't the case, but it was it was a huge psychological leap. And then I hadn't been doing well, being unemployed essentially for I think about a month before I got a call asking me if I would want to do this. And it's I just felt like I was still young enough. I still had another big job in me at the point where I thought, well, that's it. I won't do anything like that again. Now this magazine, You Magazine, is even bigger got a much bigger audience and a much broader audience um it's weekly so there's a lot of pressure every week um but i i love it i love the it's such a much bigger range of stuff that people want to talk about being part of a newspaper and it's been really really exciting that is amazing just to, to be given that opportunity to really use your experience and knowledge and contacts to the highest capacity in a yeah, way, to optimum. I've I've so enjoyed it and it's just opened me up to, I mean, I know it's a good thing and a bad thing. I know so much about the news now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like too much sometimes. But um, yeah, and I just like all the different kinds of people that you come into contact with. And I just find it as an organisation as well, they... They still spend money on journalism, which is rarer and rarer to come by, you know. And it, and it and it has a benefit. It's like they spend money on it, and they're doing really well commercially. It's yeah. Do you feel a pressure to champion an authenticity when it comes to diversity with body image, cultural identity, etc.? Because it's that's you know some of the biggest conversations happening right now. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, what what I go for at You Magazine is the stories. Who's got the amazing stories? And I I don't have any kind of filter other than that. So you will find, you know, we're working on a story this week on a trans woman. We've had women of all ages and colours on our covers. And one of the things I do love about it is like at Glamour there was very much a specific demographic, sort of like you know twenty five to thirty five year old readers. So you were mindful of, well, we can't really sit outside of that because that that's not our reader. But at You Magazine, the readers are 18 to 80 and beyond. So there's literally nobody who doesn't have a relevance to that audience in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been really exciting. You know, so I can tell the story of a 75-year-old woman who's just got married for the first time. Amazing. And the story of a 17-year-old blogger who made her first million. You know, so it's like, it's that's what I love about mm, it. Mm. Yeah. You seem like a woman that has it all. And a lot of women would love to have it all. They put pressure on themselves. Well, I used to have C cups and after <laughs> I had my baby, they're B. So I haven't got it all. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. How do we take the pressure of ourselves collectively as women to, to not feel like we need to be doing everything exactly right? Well, just take the pressure off. Mm. Just, I mean, I think that what, what I do um, when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed is, is literally just talk to someone about it. And I don't, it doesn't have to be a big, deep, 
I'm having mental health problems. It, it, it's literally just having a stressful day at work. Just tell someone rather than trying to pretend that everything's all right. And I will, my deputy editor at work and I are very, very good like that. We will, you know, we're just really honest with each other mm. about our moods and our what's worrying us. Because I find that if I'm getting really overwhelmed and really upset about something, it's like a knot in my stomach. And every now and again, I think, okay, why are you physically feeling like this? And I will take probably no more than two minutes just thinking, mm. rewind, rewind, rewind. Oh, yeah, it was that post I read on Facebook where everybody else got invited to something and I didn't. And even the minute you identify, oh, yeah, that's why I've got that horrible feeling in my stomach, that it, it's almost like you've addressed it. Yeah. And it, and it dilutes it. It pops the pin in it a little bit. So I just feel like you've got to take the pressure off yourself. And it, it, again, if you know, if I'm feeling like I've got too much to do, I don't know how I'm going to get all this done and that done, I'm afraid you do have to put your foot down and think, well, what absolutely needs to be done? Mm -hmm. And the minute you start looking at it that way and think, well, actually that doesn't need to be done right now. You, you've ha you, there is always something that, and I think women are much worse than men at feeling so obligated and so beholden to, you know, can't say no to that person, can't mm -hmm. let that person down. Sometimes you will have to pick up the phone and say, listen, I really thought I could do this. I can't do it today, I can do it tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? And honesty, yeah. and honesty yeah. with others and one and with oneself, and maybe not letting things sort of grow out of proportion as well. Exactly, and just maybe um, trying to be a bit more honest with ourselves instead of just wanting to be the good girl and say yes, yes, I can do that, yes, I can do that. Really think for a beat. Don't answer that email straight away. Think, okay, well, next week, what have you got on? Am I really going to feel like going to that drinks party mm. after this day? You know, and and just being honest from the beginning and saying I can't come to that that's making me feel very lucky that you came to eat chocolate with us well in, well, I mean <laughs> I had to book a work appointment to see Gemma and I, so I grabbed it <laughs> I yeah. was like ooh yeah. um, and how often do you take time to step back and reflect and celebrate your achievements do you do that do you go yes I'm Joelle. I don't actually. Do you do that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I make that He-Man pose you just did in front of the mirror every morning. Can you it's imagine? a good idea. Can you imagine? But no, I, I have got better at it. I'll tell you a story in that I, I when Glamour magazine in the first sort of five or six years, it was like top of its game, outselling everything by miles. And I feel so bad when I think about this now. I used to say to my team, we'd get the champagne out to celebrate another great sales figure. And I'd say, because I'd been at magazines where it was fantastic and then it all died for various reasons. Right. And I used to say, it won't always be like this, you know. <laughs> Be prepared. And people, are, and unbeknown to me, people behind my back going, God, could she just let us enjoy <laughs> this? And I was never very good. I was always too scared to mm. revel in and enjoy the moment. And so when the more difficult times came, yeah, I suppose I was sort of mentally prepared that it wasn't always going to be amazing. But it didn't make it any easier when it wasn't amazing. So I may as well have gone, Whoa, this is amazing at the time. So yeah. I, I do try to do that a bit more. At this stage, having been a print journalist all my life and being 50 years old just recently, I must admit, I probably do take a bit more time now to go, blimey, still here. Well done, Alvin. Well done. You know, so I don't know. And I feel proud of diversifying and becoming a bit more of a broadcaster and all that sort of thing. But I'm sure you're the same as me. You're so busy just, right, what am I doing today? What am I doing today? That I don't know. I don't sit around going, whoop, <laughs> check me out. I don't. Who does that? I mean, it's impossible yeah. really to do yeah. that all the time. But 
I am going to say to you, well done, congratulations, because it's incredible. It is. At your age. No, but it just is, because it's, it's a hard world, you know. It, it is. And the same to you, but I think that if it's, I think you and I are both testament to if you enjoy it, you'll find a way. Mm. And, you know, I, I can't think of anything else I'd rather do than what I do. Mm. So I'm, I guess that makes me try hard at it. Mm. So, yeah. And that doesn't stop necessarily. No, no. What are the three things that you do for your kind of, you know, quote unquote, me time? The retreative moments, those things that do give you pleasure, relaxation, joy. Oh, uh, well, go home to my family. I'm pretty strict with myself. I could be out every night of the week mm. with work and social functions. I could. It used to be a maximum of three nights a week I would do things. Now it's a maximum of two because I can't. I just cannot. I don't have the energy I need during the day if I've had three big nights out yeah, in the way that I used to. So just being at home, um, my husband and I are such sad old marrieds. We get like super excited about a new episode of Inside Number Nine and I'll think about it all day and just think about, you know, cook something nice yeah. and, and really cocoon. Um, my dog gives me an enormous amount of pleasure. It's I remember when my daughter nagged us and nagged us and nagged us for a dog and I used to think, I'm too busy, I can't factor that in to my lifestyle it'd be cruel for the dog but being forced to go to the park at 7 30 mm. in the morning when there's nobody else there and it's a beautiful morning and it's it's like the most bizarrely accidental meditation I've, I've ever had and it's it's a huge difference to my entire day when I do that and I know that people who don't exercise roll their eyes and feel nagged but exercise is it's a bit of a religion in that I don't do it to lose weight. I don't do it for any particular finite goals, but I find that if I don't do it, it has a huge effect on my mental health and stress levels mm. and all of that. What kind of exercise do you do? I go to a trainer, although um, my husband has just bought me for my birthday a Peloton bike. Oh, cool. Which I never thought he would do. Um, I kept saying, oh, all I want is a Peloton, thinking he would never spend that money. Yeah. But he's got some sort of payment plan. <laughs> <laughs> that is true love. That is so sweet. I know, but he wants to use it as well. Yeah. And it's brilliant. It just means that, you, you know, a snatched hour on a Saturday, mm. I can do that now. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, and again, it's like priorities, isn't it? It's not about the amount of money you have. It's about prioritising your time and your yes. money into the things that make you feel good. Definitely. It's been fascinating chatting to you, Joe. You're a very wise woman. No, you are. Uh, well, I'm trying. Doing my best. <laughs> Eating a lot of chocolate on my, on my way. <laughs> uh, I'm giving you one hour back to do whatever you want. It's Joe time. It's pleasure. It's joyful. Whatever you fancy, what would you do with your one hour? I mean, honestly, I think I would choose something like years ago, my husband and I and a couple of our friends, we had our, our two children were toddlers and they were driving us absolutely crackers and we're on holiday and we left them with the nanny and caught a boat and we had an hour on a boat Aww. and had a fish restaurant lunch and, Brilliant. and I'm afraid I love you dearly Evie but if it's one hour <laughs> I think I would probably choose something like that <laughs> she can come as well now because she's she's more portable but incredible yeah. yeah thank you so much for joining us today Joe. Um, it's been really lovely to chat to you 
And if you enjoyed that even half as much as I did, then please subscribe for more incredible episodes brought to you by Galaxy Chocolate. And if you're in the mood to do some good, then why not just give us a flattering five stars? It'd be very much appreciated, of course. This is Sorry Not Sorry brought to you by Galaxy Chocolate. Until next time, make sure you find at least one hour, at least, to choose pleasure. 